This is the Heartland Daily Podcast. Hello and welcome to another Stopping Socialism TV segment. As always, I'm your host, Donald Kendall, joined today by Justin Haskins. Today we're going to be talking about a uh, pretty interesting interview, a conversation between Klaus Schwab, the founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum, you know, the World Economic Forum, the big pushers of the Great Reset, and Christine Lagarde, who is president of the, of the European Central Bank. And they had this big, long interview and uh, there are some interesting revelations inside of that. So we're going to talk about that on today's Stopping Socialism TV. But before we do, I have to... Uh, oh, nice dog in the background there, Justin. Thanks. I have to put out that call, like I do in all of these videos, that uh, if you like our content, you want to see more, the best thing that you can do to help us is just hit the like button, hit the share button, subscribe to our channel. These things help this content get past the algorithms that are set up by big tech to stifle this type of conversation. So those are the things that you can do to help us. Doesn't cost you a nickel, but it helps us a whole lot. So, so Justin, let's talk about this. So this is a, uh, this isn't something that you had to like dig through their garbage cans out behind the world economic forum. This is an interview that is published on their website. So what about this immediately kind of caught your attention? Well, I think actually one uh, one of the things that caught my attention is that I didn't have to dig through their garbage cans in order to find it. Um, it's funny how you and I we've been we've been looking at the Great Reset and people involved in the Great Reset for a long time, and this is definitely all part of that. And that's one of the more shocking things about it is that they're always upfront about it, almost always, very upfront about ninety percent of what they want to do. You just actually have to know where to look for this information. Um, and by knowing where to look, I mean, just go to the World Economic Forum website. They always have amazing things on there. So one of the things that I stumbled upon, I actually had somebody send this article to me, uh, was an, a, a conversation, an interview between Klaus Schwab, who's the big, you know, Davos man himself, a uh, huge supporter of the Great Reset, um, yeah. uh, wrote a book about Ernest Blofeld uh, lookalike. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's, he's, you know, super villains of super villain, right? He's, he's the top of the top. He interviews Christine Lagarde, who is the former top person at the IMF or one of the top people at the IMF International Monetary Fund. And she's currently at the European Central Bank, which is essentially like the Federal Reserve, except for the European Union. So they're the ones in charge of making sure that the euro is a stable currency, um, for every country that has it, which I think is about 19 countries have the euro now. And in this conversation, the interview, they published it on the on the World Economic Forum website. In this interview, they're talking about a whole bunch of different kinds of things. But one of the most interesting things that really sticks out is the use of central banks to reshape society. Now, the purpose of a central bank is what? It's to make sure that the money is stable, that you don't have too much inflation. That's the main reason why you have central banks of fiat when you have a fiat currency like we have here in the United States and like they have in the European Union. Uh, they're not supposed to be making policy. They're not supposed to making policies that affect, you know, the public generally outside of their their mission of making sure that the money is stable in that in that country or series of countries. Um, so. Whenever you have central banks talking about using their monetary power to reshape society, which is something that 
uh, you know, legislatures are supposed to do. It's something that, you know, presidents or executive branch officials are supposed to do. Uh, that should be really disturbing. So when Klaus is talking to her, um, he asks her, one of the things that he asks is, you know, what should central banks do? Should central banks be involved in, in reshaping society? The subtext of all of this is the Great Reset. These people are both big supporters of it. And she uh, says, kind of echoing back his question, what role can central banks play in the fight against climate change? This is a part of the conversation where they're talking about that specifically. And she goes, and that's a highly controversial issue. There are some traditional thinkers who believe that central banks should altogether stay out of that business, meaning making policy, including policies related to climate change, and exclusively concentrate on inflation and price stability. I strongly disagree with that myself. Okay? Yeah, and you know, and, and just a, a, like a little bit of context, that is basically the definition of what a central bank historically is supposed to do is specifically stay out of that business and exclusively concentrate on inflation and pr price stability. Like that is like almost word for word what the Federal Reserve Charter is. <laughs> exactly. And that's and that's why she she describes this as some traditional thinkers. <laughs> what she means by that is people who want the Fed and the European Central Bank to just do what their charter says right. that they should be doing. And we're right. now the traditional thinkers for thinking yeah. that. So she says, at the ECB, that's the European Central Bank, we have now wrapped up and concluded our strategy review, which was the first one in 17 years. Now, that's pretty incredible in and of itself. Uh, they don't have strategy reviews all the time. Hmm. They haven't had one in 17 years. Sure. So when they have a strategy review, it's a big deal. It means something really big is happening. When I was on, I just last week did Glenn Beck's radio show. We talked about some of the stuff that was in this interview. And, you know, we kind of glossed over this whole 17 years thing because we didn't have a lot of time. But that's a huge deal. That's a really, really big deal. That means something big is happening, something mm. that doesn't normally happen. That's why you have these strategy reviews. And she goes, and I was blessed to have an entire governing council. This is the other people involved in the ECB unanimously agree that the fight against climate change should be one of the considerations that we take when we determine monetary policy. Okay. So not just looking at stable currencies and inflation. So at least the European Central Bank is of the view that climate change is an important component in order to decide on monetary policy. So that right there, there's more that we're gonna get to, but that right there is really important to understand for the Great Reset. The Great Reset is not just about government. Okay, one of the biggest things about, and it's not just about corporations. Those are the ones who often get a lot of the focus. But banking is actually a huge, huge component of it. The financial institutions, central banks, and even some private banks. This is a huge part of the Great Reset. Using monetary policy, in the case of central banks, to reshape society in order to get around constitutional protections and other things that you would normally have to do in order to get around the legislative process, which can be really burdensome and, and sometimes very hard to accomplish, as we're seeing right now with Washington, D.C., it, they can't even get infrastructure bills passed and things like that. So a total reworking of society with the Great Reset through Congress, that would never happen. Right. But if you can just get central banks all on board with this, well, then you have a much, much better chance of making that occur. So using the banking system, using financial institutions, using investment management companies like BlackRock in order to push Great Reset agenda is a huge component to all of this. So that was really key. Um, and then the next part of it, this was, this is also really essential for people to understand. So she says, and that takes me to your second question. 
can we arrive at the trade-off between fighting climate change, preserving biodiversity, and yet securing enough growth to respond to legitimate demands of the population? So here she's saying, can we fight climate change, but also maintain our quality of life here mm -hmm. in the West? That's mm -hmm. what she's saying. And my first answer, Klaus, to be firm, is that to have a way of life, we need life. And in the medium term, we do have major threats on the horizon that could cause the death of hundreds of thousands of people. So we have to think life first, we have to think way of life second. Right. Yeah, this this is probably the this is like you, you you're just seeing it like crystal clear here. Like she's saying it when you talk when you hear Joe Biden talk about climate change and all the action that we have to do. He always talks about jobs, you know, J.O.B.S. jobs. And it always makes it seem like, you know, we're going to be able to fight climate change and we're all going to be even wealthier at the end of the day doing it because we're going to have all of these new jobs like that's that's the Joe Biden way of talking about it. But then when you're actually looking at a conversation like this, where it's a central banker talking to, you know, Klaus Schwab, right? It's like the elites of the elites. They acknowledge that there is going to be haircuts. There's going to be people making sacrifices in their way of life. And this is like as blunt as you'll hear somebody talking about it, where it's just like, yeah, you know, we got to make sure that we that, you know, people aren't dying in mass. And like, you know, your way of life, uh, your standard of living, another way to frame it. Uh, that comes second. That's secondary. You know, so, yeah, that that's what caught my attention with all of this. When I was reading through this, I was like, well, there it is. Joe Biden won't say it, but Christine Lagarde will. That's right. And and the thing that I liked about this, and there's actually more that I want to get to, but the thing that we that I really like about this is when she sets up this question of um, can we arrive at that trade-off between fighting climate change, preserving biodiversity, and yet securing enough growth to respond to the legitimate demands of the population? How do our politicians answer that question? Do they answer it the way she answered that question? No. They say, yes, of course. We can do all of that. We can save the planet and we can have a great high quality, uh, you know, uh, lifestyle and we can have all the jobs in the world and this is going to be great. It's not going to cost you anything to have this, but that's not how she answers the question. Right. She answers it just like you said, no, actually it is going to cost us. That's what she's saying. And you know, our way of life is going to have to take a back seat to just fighting climate change. That's not, that's, you know, that's the most important thing. That's what she's saying here. So she goes on and it gets even more direct in this way. She says, uh, we have to think way of life second. How can we come together to make sure that we secure the first priority, meaning life, just saving people from a existential climate change catastrophe, and also protect the way of life that people have and make sure that the cost of it, meaning fighting climate change, is not so high for some people that they just cannot tolerate it. Right. I think that the trade-off that we reach will probably require some redistribution mm. because it is clear that the most exposed people, the less privileged people are those that are going to need some help. Now there's yeah. a lot, there's a lot there. There's a yeah. lot to digest there. Yeah. Like, like who do you think she's talking about? You know, like, do you think that uh, the people the, that are getting redis redistributed funds, like, do you think she's talking about like working class people like the people that are watching this video, do you think she's talking about you? 
Like if you are suffering from all of this, uh, you know, action that needs to be taken and to fight off climate change and it's going to like burden you that they're going to help you out with redistribution. Cause I don't think so. My cynical, uh, uh, you know, my cynical sides knee jerk reaction is of course not. They're definitely not talking about you, but I don't even think that I have to speculate because she goes on, <laughs> she goes on and explains exactly who she's talking about in the next paragraph. That's right. And so it, it, there's no, there is no doubt whatsoever that what you have, the head, this, this would be like the head of the Fed coming out and saying this. You have the head of one of the major, most important central banks in the world saying, we should change our monetary policy to use it to fight for whatever the policy cause is that we happen to want. In this case, it's climate change. In the same interview, she talks about COVID. She talks about other things, economic inequality, disparities for gender, the gender gap, like whatever, whatever it is. We should use the central bank to do that. That might mean your quality of life goes down. Your quality of life could be a lot worse because we have to put life first and your way of life has to come second. And so in order to make sure that we don't make it so bad because our policies are, if just implemented without extra things, gonna make life really sure. bad. That's right. what she's saying. We have to make it, make it so bad that a lot of people just can't even tolerate it meaning they're going to be out in the streets yelling and screaming at us and calling for our heads. Exactly. We're going to do something. We're going to make sure that there are redistribution policies in place so that we take wealth away from the people who have it to give it to the people who can't tolerate this new world that we're building right. so that they can tolerate it. We're going to make it more tolerable for them. That's what she's saying here, all yeah. in the name of, of, of fighting climate change in yeah. this case, but it could be anything. But again, like, do you think that she's talking about working class people in no. Europe or, you know, in the United States, if, uh, assuming that this type of stuff happens in the United States? I'm saying no. And the next paragraph, like I said, explains exactly what she is talking about, it says, and under the Paris Agreement back in 2015, it was decided that all nations would put together a pot of $100 billion in order to keep the least developed countries uh, uh, to help least developed countries adapt to climate change. But that hasn't happened. Uh, it was due in 2020. Now, granted, COVID-19 happened, blah, 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 blah. That's what she's talking about. <laughs> she's talking about the people that can't tolerate it, that won't be able to, uh, you know, withstand all of the changes that have happened. It's not talking about you. It's talking about, like, developed, uh, least developed countries. Sure. And, again, of course, like, we know from all government action, it's not the poorest people in those countries that are going to get any of this money. You know, all of this money will be funneled right into uh, corrupt politicians' pockets. And those that are, uh, you know, in bed, you know, politically connected with these corrupt politicians. It's That's terrible. Right. It is. And there's another thing to keep in mind, too. And it's really important whenever you hear anybody who's related to the Great Reset talking about how they're going to reshape the world, how they're going to redistribution comes up all the time. And it's really important for people to understand this. It's easy to lose sight of it. The very same people who say we need redistribution in order to, you know, make things uh, more tolerable for this group over here, because life's going to be miserable when we force everyone to live on windmills and solar panels, which is essentially what she's saying here. It's an admission that green energy policies on their own don't work. We have to supplement it with all these redistribution policies to make them tolerable. But um, what's important to keep in mind is that they actually don't need to redistribute anything. 
Mm. Because all they plan on doing is printing the money anyway. It's true. Now, she knows that more than anybody because she's the head of a central bank that's been printing tons and tons of money. And in the United States, we've been printing tons and tons of money. The people at the heads of these banks know you don't actually need taxes in order to implement your agenda. They all believe in some version of modern monetary theory anyway at this point. So what is the big rule in modern? What are taxes used for in modern monetary theory? Really? What's the real reason that we use taxes? You know this. Yeah, obviously. well, there's a few reasons, but all of them are to basically uh, um control society in a certain way. Now, the one that gets the most headlines is that they use it to sap up extra money in the system to curb inflation. That's right. That that's that's very true. So you set you 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 implement taxes in order to uh, help relieve some of the inflation that is inevitably caused from printing lots of money. Right. But in the context of redistributing the wealth, what is the purpose of redistributing wealth? through taxation under under modern monetary theory the answer is because you want to redistribute wealth oh sure. it's a, to punish some groups at the expense of other groups that's it it's the a policy yeah. it's a policy in and of itself it's redistribution for the sake of redistribution to accomplish some other goal it's not because you need money over here to pay for some important project over there that is backwards that's the old way of thinking these people none of these people actually believe that mm -hmm. if they did believe it then we'd be having a totally different conversation they don't believe it what they believe is we can print all the money we need so long as we don't have runaway inflation we can use taxes to help curb inflation just enough to make this all tolerable and we can use taxes really in large part to remake society the way we want that's really what this is all about. The other thing to keep in mind with, when, when you're thinking about all this is who are these people having this conversation? These are the Davos people. Right. These are the people who spend all of their time with other super rich, super powerful people. Does anyone really think that when they talk about this widespread redistribution of wealth, that they're talking about taking all their money away from their buddies at Davos? No, of course not. That's not what, that's not how this works. It's not the, the top one percenters just, we're just going to take all their money and we're just going to give it to all the poor people. Hey, there's not enough money that those people have that you could actually sure. do that in a meaningful way. But B, they're all there. They're all together. They're all in on this. They're all working together. So what they, again, to reiterate the point, which she already expressly says, as you pointed out, this is about redistributing national wealth from one nation to another nation or from several nations to a whole bunch of other low and middle income countries. Mm -hmm. That's what this is about. And who gets to decide who those countries are, who gets to facilitate these relationships, who gets to be in charge of all of these things that are happening? Well, the Davos people, of right. course. International organizations ones. like the World Economic Forum and the United Nations, of course. Exactly. Perfectly and the International Monetary Fund and, <laughs> yeah. the, and the ECB and the Federal Reserve and all of these other people. So one last thing um, that I want to make sure we hit before we wrap it up is that, you know, there might be people listening because, you know, I'm an American, you're an American, um, and, you know, most Americans don't give a darn about what's going on in Europe. Yeah, Who cares? Well, right. I was actually going to bring this up because, you know, we, we, out of all the stuff that we talk about, it always seems like Europe is like two or three steps ahead of us in the progressive uh, agenda, right? That's right. So, like, you know, you could look at it as just like, well, this is what our potential future is. 
is that all or are there signs that this type of stuff is going to be happening exactly and this is the point there are we are always a few steps behind what europe is doing the elites here are always just a few steps behind that's not because they are behind in the sense that they don't agree or because they move slower it's because in america and if you listen to what George Soros says and other big elites who are in the Davos crowd, what they say about America, it's because America has a large segment of its society that doesn't want to go along with all of these globalist agendas and stuff like that. That's it's right. America first, baby. baby. That's the thing. And it gets in the way of all of these big globalist international plans. This is legitimately what people like George Soros have openly written about, talked about. They've said this over and over and over again. America is a thorn in the side of the Western world's big international United Nations globalist type schemes, right? So we're slower here, not because the elites here don't want to do it, but because it's harder for them to get the reg regular yeah. people to go along there's with enough, it. There's enough people like you and me holding right. on to the, you know, and holding it back a little bit, in slowing America, it down a little bit. That's right. In America, the, there are people like us in Europe too, but in America, there's a higher proportion of people like us than there sure. are in places like Europe. So switching to America, uh, the U.S. Federal Reserve is starting to move in this exactly same direction. Okay, under Joe Biden. Now, the Federal Reserve is like the European Central Bank. They control the dollar. They're responsible for the dollar. Now, there is this article that was written by Bloomberg. I could just summarize it for you, but I want to read it just right straight from the author's mouth because the author, or from the author's pen, because the author is a proponent of these policies. They, they are actually writing this article for Bloomberg uh, when I don't have the title in front of me, but they're writing this article for Bloomberg specifically to defend the Federal Reserve against people who are criticizing it for not doing enough mm. to fight climate change, okay? So that's the context of this article. It says here Powell, referring to Jerome Powell, who's the head of the Fed right now, and the Fed's board of governors created two new entities. This is the evidence this author is providing to prove that actually the Fed is doing a lot. Uh, two new entities, the Financial Stability Climate Committee to focus on the broader financial system in America and the Supervision Climate Committee. Yeah. Supervision? I know. <laughs> to focus on individual institutions. This matters, the author says, because it means top officials are committed to regularly evaluating and responding to the threat, meaning climate change. They're already working, listen to this, they're already working to ensure that banks embed climate change in their business decisions, analyzing exposures, identifying concentrations of risk, and considering how to manage them over time. To that end, the Fed and other bank regulators will make banks, will make banks gather information in a consistent way. Such information is needed so that regulators can enforce a consistent set of standards and evaluate and manage risks, meaning climate change risks across the entire system. So this is a person openly supporting this way of thinking, saying in a major US publication, that the Federal Reserve is moving towards these exact same kinds of policies. Now, they're not talking about uh, uh, monetary policies in the sense of printing lots of money and then funneling it to you know certain parts of the economy necessarily, but what else could these committees that they're creating do exactly? 
uh, other than put pressure on the on whole industries and on individual institutions to go along with the the whatever the cause du jour is for the people who are at the top of these institutions. So mm -hmm. if it's climate change, it's climate change. That's what the Financial Stability Climate Committee is meant to do. And that's what the Supervision Climate Committee is meant to do. All right. Supervision climate. I know. It's the most Orwellian like <laughs> thing imaginable. You really can't make this stuff up. So the bottom line is this, the great reset as a concept using banks, financial institutions, central banks, corporations, uh, and government and regulators and all that stuff all together to move in one direction together. This is a huge, huge part of it. And they're openly admitting what the game plan is, right? They're not hiding it. Right. They're not pretending like, oh, this is all they'll, they'll say it's a conspiracy that people like you and me are just a bunch of conspiracy theorists, but then they openly say this kind of stuff. They're banking on nobody actually going and reading what they have to say to each other, except for the people who agree with them. Yeah, Th that's what they're banking on. And then they're also banking on the mainstream media, essentially just calling people like you and me conspiracy theorists because because you know, we're using the same language that they're using. Like, right. They're, they're the ones Which that said the Great like, Reset. <laughs> right. Know? Which sounds like conspiracy theory language. It's not our fault that they chose language. It sounds like conspiracy theory language. And no, yet, if you read the New York Times, if you read the you know major publications, um, there have been many of them. I think Columbia Law Review or something like that, or, or journalism, whatever their journal is for journalism at Columbia. I mean, major, major publications, some academic like the Columbia Journal, some like um, the New York Times, they talk about people who are opponents of the Great Reset as if we're a bunch of tinfoil hat wearing, uh, you know, uh, Infowars, uh, uh, don't drink the water because there's fluoride in it people. Uh, but the truth is, really all we're saying is just listen to what these people have to say right these are not crackpot people that we're referencing here we're referencing the heads of these major international organizations and central banks and we're just reading it word for word for you can see it for yourself yeah this is not a conspiracy it's a conspiracy theory in the sense that we have a theory that there's a conspiracy going on <laughs> but there's really nothing in crazy or insane about it. Yeah. Sometimes conspiracy theories are true. Right. That's the thing that people need to understand. Conspiracy theories are not always wrong. Sometimes they're right. Yeah. And this is one of those ones where the it evidence is so history. stacked up. Exactly. <laughs> and the evidence is so stacked up that it's not even really a theory. In some some no, parts of it are like, theory, like, but this is not. This is we've just been a saying this since the beginning. Since the beginning, we've just read what these people say. Uh, you can find in this in this uh, same interview, which we'll link in the show notes. Uh, they talk about you know like the the special drawing rights, the idea of special drawing rights from the IMF. You can find other interviews from the same Christine Lagarde talking about how she envisions a future where uh, the US dollar isn't the world reserve currency anymore and that it's it's the IMF special drawing rights SDRs like th these are things that we just say like hey did you know that these people are saying this stuff that's not a conspiracy theory that's just us reporting on something that the news doesn't want to talk about that's right <laughs> that's because what all of this is that's right and and so while these people are openly having discussions about completely reshaping society under the banner of something called the great reset where they're going to push the reset button 
on the entire global economy. And they're talking about using central banks to help force people yeah. into a worse way of life and global redistribution policies between countries. This is just some of the stuff in this one interview. Right, we didn't right. even, in fact, this is not even, there are crazy, other crazy things from this same interview that we could talk about. And we probably will we do probably other videos will. about it. So, I mean, yeah. this is just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. There's so much more to this and it isn't theoretical when you're just quoting people directly. Yeah, you know, we uh, we're probably doing Glenn Beck, you know, and, and we're, you know, working with Glenn Beck on this issue. Uh, he and us are probably the people that are spending the most time and energy talking about this, this topic, which we both think is like the most important thing going on right now in the world. So if you want to see more content about the Great Reset, uh, you want us to to continue talking about this stuff, the, the easiest way is to subscribe to uh, Stopping Socialism TV here on YouTube where we put out videos like this. You can go to stoppingsocialism.com where we post all types of stuff. Um, then on social media, we have a Facebook, Stopping Socialism. We have a Stopping Socialism TV Facebook account as well. We have an Instagram account. We have a Parler account. If you want to find our content, you can. You just have to look. Justin, where can the fine people find you? Uh, at Justin T. Haskins on every platform you can possibly think of, probably. <laughs> probably. All right. Thank you all for tuning in. We will talk to you next time.